Greetings, welcome, bienvenidos, hola, aloha, ni hao, namaste, konnichiwa, bonjour, bonjourno, so adikarup, guten tak, jawi viva, cat bang, half a day, jai jinendra, salam, shalom, peace, now, go vegan, peace how, go vegan, from the new right left coast of the genetically mutated McNugget Pharmaceutical Vivisection Prison Killitary Industrial Court Port Nation. In the cheese covered post constitutional bankster bankrupt corruptocracy mocracy criminocracy unchallenged by meatia meatiocracy food born in the NSA, NRA, CIA, USA, home of Uncle Sam Manella, where they sure do eat a lot of dead animal body parts, and the Wall Street backed corporate of death, disease, and destruction is shoved down your throat. This is Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden, sponsored today by Health IQ, an insurance company that helps health-conscious people like runners, cyclists, weightlifters, yoga practitioners, and yes, vegans get lower rates on their life insurance Check out healthiq.com slash gvr for information to see if you qualify for a quote. Healthiq.com slash gvr. The phone number is 800-549-1664. Use the code gvr as in Go Vegan Radio. Healthiq.com slash gvr. Well, what a week this has been. Ooh, lots of big stories, lots of big news. Paul Shapiro leaves the Humane Society of the United States. Nathan Runkle leaves Mercy for Animals. After uh, fairly recently, Nick Cooney also left Mercy for Animals. Uh, now, there you, there you have the makings of an Animal Betrayal Hall of Shame, right there. Huh? The All-Stars. <laughs> it looks like... Um, Farm, you know, the fan, uh, Farm Animal Reform Movement uh, uh, group, uh, Farm, is uh, dissolving. It's dissolving before our very eyes. Uh, I don't know, are we seeing the, the whole corrupt and compromised so-called animal rights movement dissolving right before our eyes? Let's hope so. Huh? Let's help make that happen. You know, then, then the animals might actually have a chance. You know, so Alex Hershaft of Farm, uh, lifetime achievement award by the way, Animal Betrayal Hall of Shame, uh, will continue to organize the Egg Industries Animal Rights Conference coming up in Los Angeles in June, or uh, more precisely, uh, the Meat, Dairy, Fish, and Egg Industries Animal Rights Conference, where dairy, egg, and meat salesmen are created out of unsuspecting animal rights activists here. That, that also, right before our eyes. Uh, so, uh, anyway, Hershaft will continue his uh, bogus conference, AR Con, um, and uh, Compassion Over Killing, COK, which itself supports cage free eggs. And remember, no true animal advocate can really support cage free eggs. Anyway, Compassion Over Killing. Uh, which supports cage-free eggs and the uh, Prevent Cruelty California hoax. Uh, 
compassion over killing will absorb some of farms uh, personnel and uh, farms campaigns including uh, meat out Mondays which has turned out to be a huge bonanza for the egg industry Paul Souter chair of the American Egg Board thanks Meatless Mondays, Meat Out Mondays, for highest egg sales in 30 years. Congratulations, uh, egg industry, for having an animal rights industry uh, that helps you so much. Because Meat Out Mondays or Meatless Mondays uh, don't mean vegan Mondays to people. So people pile on the eggs and the dairy and then probably uh, on Tuesday, the day after Monday, uh, to make up for the sacrifice, probably double up or triple up on on the meat, huh? So anyway, Paul Shapiro of HSUS, or thankfully formerly of HSUS, was on the same radio program, the Diane Rehm Show, uh, that the American Egg Board chairperson spoke. Uh, Souter of the Egg Board said, Whenever HSUS has a client who wants cage-free eggs, uh, you know, we, we work to provide them. So, uh, I guess anybody, except maybe Moby, uh, can, recognize, can recognize collusion when he or she sees it, huh? So, uh, so get this. Okay, this is, uh, you know, right out of the spy novels. Uh, Moby, the DJ, and the musician announced that the CIA contacted him to say that Trump colluded with Russia based on the PP dossier uh, because Moby has a bigger social media following well, than the CIA does. I mean, the CIA is secretive, so I probably have a bigger social media following than the CIA. Um, which is Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. There are, you know, they have the Bob Linden pages on Facebook and Twitter at Go Vegan Radio. So anyway, so Moby went along with it. The CIA contacted Moby and said, uh, you know, announce publicly that Trump colluded with Russia based on this dossier. And Moby, you know, I guess a patriotic American liar, <laughs> right, went along with it. What does he know? Huh? What does he know? Moby and the CIA, huh? Um, I wonder if it's actually true or just a stunt uh, to get publicity to sell his, uh, his music. I don't know. But Moby certainly can't spot collusion when it's staring him right in the face, when, when it's sitting at the table next to him at a banquet, when he's writing a check to it, when he's, when he's speaking for it, huh? So uh, Moby um, has been a big supporter of the Humane Society of the United States and Mercy for Animals, who have partnered with United Egg Producers in support of battery cages and uh, now collude with the egg industry in the bogus uh, Prevent Cruelty California. So uh, this is uh, very, very upsetting. Very upsetting. Here it comes again. You know, when the Humane Society of the United States um, comes, you know, invades your state, basically uh, hide your wallet and and gather the animals together and and run for your life. Run for your lives. Um, Okay, so I want to talk about this a, a moment here. The egg industry's 
animal rights movement has declared war on animals in California once again. And Proposition Two wasn't wasn't enough of a disaster here. So, um, so I, I'm I'm just. You know, in fact, this is this is motivating me to my my activism, where I may have to look for look for my megaphone in the in the closet. You know, who's going to join me, huh? In in protecting chickens from the prevent cruelty California hoax that does nothing to prevent cruelty and only puts a mask of deception and betrayal on it. Prevent cruelty California is an obscenity, actually. Preventing the cruelty of the cage-free egg industry from being revealed, from being exposed. That's what it prevents. It prevents the truth from being known. The egg industry's pseudo-animal charities campaigning for the Prevent Cruelty California cruel cage-free egg system know that the Prevent Cruelty California ballot initiative does not prevent the cruelty of grinding or suffocating every male chick just after birth. It does not prevent the cruelty of the painful debeaking of every hen. It does not prevent the cruelty of harsh, intense, confined imprisonment in sheds uh, with... with uh, tens of thousands of other birds. It does not prevent the cruelty of the uh, choking, eye-burning, uh, overpowering stench of an ammonia cloud atmosphere uh, that these poor birds have to endure. It does not prevent the cruelty of injuries, broken legs, and deaths sustained in an environment of aggressive behavior, and it does not prevent the cruelty of every hen being murdered. So we are talking about millions of birds, and each one is tortured and murdered. No one gets out alive. No, n not one, not one. And we call this Prevent Cruelty California. How sick is that? Huh? You know, how sick is it that supposed animal charities would participate in an obvious scam of extraordinary uh, proportions that betrays the individuals they're supposed to represent? Well, sorry to break it to you, but no real animal advocate can in good conscience campaign for cage-free eggs unless somehow duped, you know, like the rest of the public. So some of the groups listed as supporters have pocketed many millions of dollars, um, quotation marks in the air, donated uh, by uh, some uh, shady, despicable outfit called the Open Philanthropy Project. Um, and, and those donations have been for the sole purpose of campaigning for cage-free eggs domestically and internationally. So they include the Humane Society of the United States, Humane League, Animal Equality, Compassion in World Farming, and Mercy for Animals. Now, uh, before uh, Mercy for Animals pocketed the millions of dollars from Open Phil, it actually uh, posted on its website uh, talking about cage-free eggs. It said, uh, you know, that uh, it, it's cage-free eggs are egg industry hype. Egg industry hype. 
Mercy for Animals was totally opposed to it. You can go to uh, my Facebook page, uh, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden, or Twitter. I mean, I've I've uh, posted the link to what Mercy for Animals used to say before the millions of dollars, before it changed its tune, uh, back when it was telling the truth. You know, the truth hurts. The truth hurts. Everyone supporting Prevent Cruelty California is egg industry hype. Not necessarily according to me, but according to Mercy for Animals, <laughs> one of the main groups leading this campaign. It call it it, it call does what does it call itself? It, itself is it's egg industry hype. That's what it calls. Uh, which Mercy for Animals is this? The 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 good one or the bad one? Huh? It's the bad one now. Um, so. Um, that's basically it. Everyone supporting Prevent Cruelty California is egg industry hype, is the egg industry, is uh, an egg salesman, huh? And, and, and a representative of the chicken slayers, huh? Could you please stop this? Could you educate yourself, please, before harming animals, before supporting uh, this cruel hoax? You know, I mean... I don't know what all those other groups are doing supporting Prevent Cruelty California. I mean, the ones I just mentioned, they're all pocketing millions of dollars. But uh, we need to, to, to get in touch with them to uh, divest, divest support, huh? Um, you know, we, we really need a reality check here. So I am uh, I'm dedicated to preventing Prevent Cruelty California from preventing the truth to be known. So this will now be a major cause of... 501c3 Go Vegan Radio and listener-supported Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. So uh, support us with a tax-deductible donation so we can ed educate the public on, on what is real here. Please say no to Prevent Cruelty California. Say no to cage-free eggs and say yes to vegan advocacy. Please, please, please. So, I mean... We really need to get it together on this. Uh, we need to really fight the corruption. Excuse me here. I have to move some things around. The microphone. Not the most ergonomically <laughs> uh, designed studio that we have here, huh? So, so I'm d I'm dedicated. I'm dedicated to the mission to to fight this cruel hoax. I mean. We really have to get it together and join together on this. I mean, to defeat it, uh, you know, it, this, this sounds, uh, it sounds like a job for Kobe Siegenthaler, huh? But alas, we have just lost this great vegan animal advocate at, at age 93. Yeah, so uh, enough talk about the evil in people, you know, the betrayals, the... The profiteering on the pain, suffering, and death of animals. Uh, let's let's let, let's change the focus here for a moment, and let's celebrate a shining light. Uh, you know, who was on planet Earth for ninety-three years. Uh, really, a great person. Kobe Siegenthaler was a great person, and uh, you know, losing her. You know, grieving can be so painful. You know, really, I, I try to avoid it whenever possible. You know, so. Um, and after I heard the news about uh, Kobe passing, I thought, uh, okay, okay, don't be sad. She lived a long and, and meaningful life. She didn't suffer some 
long protracted illness at the end so you know don't be sad you know so and uh, then I found myself uh, crying hysterically for for the loss that I feel for the for the loss that many of us feel um, really that there I don't think there's ever been or will be someone just quite like Kobe a really great person huh? because she helped so many people I mean that was her greatness she helped everyone uh, she helped uh, so many people in need and animals in need uh, including me I have to say so you know, she and her husband Hans won uh, so many humanitarian awards um, they and their families sheltered Jews from Nazis at their home in Holland during the Holocaust um, of course that would be at great personal risk when you think about it uh, and in fact their home was actually directly hit by a bomb and Kobe's mother was uh, in the vegetarian society in Holland uh, and Kobe was vegan what I think for about the last 35 years of her life and uh, you know back during World War II uh, under starving conditions, Kobe and Hans ate grass and they ate uh, tree bark to survive. Even then, they wouldn't eat animals. And um, from back in World War II to today, Hans and Kobe's house in Northridge was always open to people who needed a place to stay or something to eat. Um, by the way, I, 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 I wrote Hans's uh, eulogy, uh, which is framed on the wall at that iconic Northridge house. It should be made into a museum, you know, a vegan museum, vegan, vegan education center, you know. Um, it was kind of a, well, it was, I guess, kind of a vegan plop house, a, a, a vegan flop house and a community center, vegan community center. Uh, with a wide range of vegan personalities um, who would who would gather there uh, yeah, it's always always interesting you know I put two vegans in a room together and you have about 10 or 12 opinions on everything you know and uh, in LA you know there was no no shortage of artists actors and activists in need it was also the uh, the motel for traveling uh, authors and speakers passing through LA. So we actually planned the first World Fest Los Angeles there, uh, and uh, uh, how often we scribbled our protest signs on on the floor of that house in Northridge. Kobe was a tireless demonstrator for the animals, always speaking out for them. I must say, one dramatic episode does stand out in my mind, and that was uh, when we gathered at a synagogue in Los Angeles where the person who captured Eichmann was speaking. And we were there um, in solidarity with Holocaust victims, and we also wanted to draw attention to what we felt is today's Holocaust, which is animal agriculture. It was our feeling that victims of a holocaust uh, should rise up against any subsequent holocaust and that never again should apply to any innocent victims uh, after all it was Adorno who said 
Auschwitz begins whenever someone looks at a slaughterhouse and thinks they're only animals. Huh? So, uh, well, the reaction to our presence there was not as welcoming as we had hoped. Um, some people were upset, uh, feeling that we were comparing Jews to chickens when the comparison was uh, actually injustice to injustice, the, uh, the injustice of the um, oppression of the innocent, the, the violence, the industrialized torture and, and, and murder of the innocent. And um, when people got upset with me and they were complaining to me, I just led them over to Kobe. Uh, I introduced her as the heroic figure who saved Jews during the Holocaust, during World War II. And Kobe said uh, that she was against the Holocaust then, and she was against today's Holocaust too. Um, what could what could they say after that, right? So, um, oh, and apparently, uh, apparently, I was born Jewish also. So, uh, you don't need to write a complaint to me right now. My my parents said to me, you know, abracadabra, you are Jewish study some Hebrew, have a bar mitzvah. Funny how one, <laughs> how one is born into a religion, right? I mean, had my parents been Buddhist, you know, I'd, I'd be sitting here chanting right now. But uh, anyway, I'm not really uh, into the whole religion aspect of life. Uh, for me, thou shalt not kill and do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Uh, work just fine as religion for me. Vegan works fine. Uh, as a religious practice, really. And uh, actually, Jews are supposed to be vegan. That was God's first commandment. Genesis, book 1, verse 29. Uh, the word vegan wasn't used back then. We had to wait till the 1940s and Donald Watson for that. But uh, it's right there. Genesis, book 1, verse 29. God's diet, vegan, period, end of sentence. But the kosher butchers... Yeah, the kosher butchers stole the religion, much like the 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 butchers have stolen today's animal rights movement. Um, gosh, I remember back at that time that the uh, Jewish Defense League was upset with me. Irv Rubin, Irv Rubin said to me, "Why, if you aren't Jewish, if you aren't Jewish," um, and I don't know if you remember Irv Rubin, he was arrested for plotting. Was he plotting or did he actually uh, do a bombing of a mosque? Huh? He, he died in prison. Um, you know, I, I, I had him on my radio show. I don't know if there's any recording of that. He was saying to me, Bob, Bob, no one loves animals more than I do. And I said, Irv, Irv, the problem is you love them with ketchup. So, anyway... Oh, so did I tell you, yes, uh, Kobe helped me out enormously. I did live at that uh, iconic house in Northridge for a while. Um, it was, uh, well, what the, the last 17 years doing this radio show has been a vow of poverty for me. Little did I know when I started 17 years ago in January of 2000, 2001, it was. Um, <laughs> that I would that that I was taking a seventeen year vow of poverty. I had to pay for the airtime. Uh, when I was promoting World Fest in Los Angeles, I visited KRLA, and a producer there said, "Bob, you you're a vegan for so long, into animal rights, a career in broadcasting. You need to be doing a talk show." So, uh, 
I had to pay for the airtime. That that's the way it happened. I had to come up. So I had to solicit advertising. I now solicit advertising and donations. And uh, all along the way, I've had to pay for airtime. Uh, when we were on the Air America radio network, I had to come up with about $3,000 a week. So um, it's always been a matter of raising money and paying for airtime and not having any leftover, uh, you know, for, for living expenses, basically, for rent. Um, and... Uh, you know, I, I paid the, the stations in, in Los Angeles that carried me. I carry uh, KRLA. We were on KTYM. We were on KTALK, KTLK. Always had to come up with money uh, for, uh, for radio airtime. So I found myself living at Kobe's house. And uh, it was always exciting, you know, that we had the potlucks there. Always exciting to see what Kobe was cooking for a potluck or baking for an event coming up. Uh, people always loved her cooking. Um, and uh, by the way, you can thank me uh, for, uh, well, for being the subject of the occasional recipe experimentation, by the way. You should know. Like before, uh, <laughs> before those recipes were perfected and served at the parties... You know, I I was there, you know, giving my opinion like, uh, yeah, Kobe, I think the uh, I think the cookies need a little more lead. They're just not quite heavy enough, you know. So anyway, so um, I have to admit, I do I have to admit that I did commit the cardinal sin one day when living there, a cold, gray, rainy, wintry afternoon. Yes, I fell asleep. I took a nap. <laughs> In Kobe's mind, there's always too much to do to take a nap, huh? You get up in the morning, you jump into the swimming pool, okay? You, you, you make breakfast, then uh, you yell at a politician, you plant a garden, you, you go to a protest, read a book, rescue a cat, uh, take a bike ride, send a postcard to Holland. Oh, and then you finish breakfast, okay? Um, I, don't, I don't think the, the Marines could have matched Kobe. With her, her, her energy, <laughs> really, you know? So, anyway. No naps allowed. No naps allowed. Except, Kobe, I'm going to tell on you right now. No naps allowed ex except asterisk. Maybe every day at about 1 o'clock in the afternoon, Kobe had to sit down to watch her soap opera. I don't know if she ever saw an, ep an episode of the soap opera. Huh? It, it, uh, she... Uh, she still had to be doing something. She couldn't take a nap, right? So it had to be, I'm doing something, I'm watching my soap opera, even uh, with her eyes closed and, and snoring a little bit. But she also, also every day, took a big platter of nuts with her over uh, as she sat to watch the soap opera, and she would crack the nuts. So, you know, she was doing two things, you know? And the thing is, even when... Her eyes were closed and she was snoring. She was still cracking the nuts. So she was... No, I guess I guess Kobe never did take a nap. She was, she was always doing something. Always doing something. So, um, and um, the situation with me was that Kobe would say, Bob, there's always something to do. Always something to do. If you don't have something to do... You pick the periwinkles. Go go, the, the, pick, go go pick periwinkles. So, um, 
What the hell is a periwinkle? I have no idea. I think it's a weed. I don't know what a periwinkle looks like, you know. So, uh, just to make her happy, you know, I'd be I'd be outside there calling calling from the yard. Okay, Kobe, I'm out here. I'm busy. I'm I'm picking the periwinkles, huh? You know. So, I think I killed every every plant in her garden there. Actually, I think I destroyed that wonderful grapevine canopy that she had. One year, uh, it was just so spectacular. The, the grapes were so delicious and plentiful. There were chandeliers of grapes everywhere, and, and they were so delicious. I mean, it was, it was heaven. You know, I, I, felt like, I felt like such a primate, you know, going through the garden and just grabbing grapes and eating them off the vine. So delicious. Heaven to Kobe was, uh, you know, those grapes were, were heaven to Kobe, and as were melons and vegan yogurt. Those were those were heaven to Kobe. So, anyway, I think I uh, I got the periwinkles or or the grapevine or okay I got the periwinkles. Uh oh, <laughs> there goes the orange tree. Oh well, puff. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> still working on the periwinkles, Kobe. And uh, all right, so. Later in the program, we will hear recordings of people who loved Kobe also, who were close to her. And in fact, um, if you would like to record your memories of Kobe to include uh, in next week's show, you can do so at 413-43-VEGAN. 413-43-VEGAN, that's the phone number uh, where you can record your fond memories of Kobe. And uh, we'll include them in next week's show. Again, we have some of those recordings coming up uh, later in today's program. Oh, next week's show looks uh, looks like it's going to be uh, quite interesting, to say the least, when Wayne Shun, founder of Direct Action Everywhere, joins me and Gary Francione for what I'm sure will be fireworks. Um, and... Uh, Okay, and coming up on today's program, uh, we will have commentary from Professor Gary Francione. Uh, and also coming next, Dr. Francis McCormick, who runs the recipe page on Gary's website, HowDoIGoVegan.com. All right. So, uh, as I said, this month marks the uh, 17th uh, anniversary of Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. Uh, we are uh, a 501c3 nonprofit. Go Vegan Radio is, and you can support us with a tax deductible donation. Uh, if everybody listening would donate just $17, a dollar for each year that we've uh, been on, um, we, we would have uh, you know, $34 in no time, I'm sure. Um, so actually, all donations are appreciated at GoVeganRadio.com. You can support us through uh, Patreon. All that information is on our website. We have over 600 programs archived at GoVeganRadio.com. Also, we recently launched a 24-7 music radio station. Uh, you've, you've never heard a music radio station like Radio Bobby. I can assure you of that. That's my background in music radio. And you won't hear any commercials for meat, dairy, fish, eggs, uh, leather, feathers, wool, silk, fur, uh, anything to do with uh, 
you know, any use of animals whatsoever, but you will love the music at RadioBobby.com. We will continue on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden.
This is Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com. On Facebook, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. And Twitter, at Go Vegan Radio. Yeah, it's uh, January 2018. That means, uh, as of this month, our, uh, we com- commemorate 17 years of doing this show that I thought would last maybe a couple of weeks, but... Well, when you make a commitment to the animals, look at what look at what happens. Here we are, um, 17 years for the vegan cause, and uh, we're trying to to make it happen. Even though things, you know, obstacles seem to pop up. Like I'm I'm getting in touch with my next wonderful guest, and I turn on Skype and. There's a there's an ad for the Humane Society of the United States. Like I can't escape. I'm I'm trying to be calm. Uh, you know, I was listening to Radio Bobby before so that I would be calm, and then I turn on Skype, and and there's an ad. It says, "Be a hero for the animals. Donate now." Uh, Humane Society of the United States. So what I would say is, be a hero for the animals. Donate now to Go Vegan Radio. Uh, so that we can fight the Humane Society of the United States and its horrible, horrible Prevent Cruelty California campaign just starting right now that prevents no cruelty, uh, but actually puts a mask on it, makes it acceptable. But I, I'm off. I'm off on my tangent. But uh, here we go for the next, you know, e- even leading up to the so-called animal rights conference. I mean, we really have to. We, we, we have to get it together on this one. Um, so my next guest is Dr. Frances McCormick. Um, she's half of the grumpy old vegans. Uh, and then again, <laughs> aren't we all? <laughs> Didn't I just sound like a grumpy old vegan? Uh, <laughs> with good cause, right? Um, Frances, <laughs> Frances runs the uh, page and blog Abolitionist Vegan Whispers and is an uh, administrator on Gary Francione's Abolitionist Approach page, as well as the HowDoIGoVegan.com Facebook page and website. And she has a professional plant-based certification, which uh, I I always cough a little bit when I say plant-based, but I'm sure it means vegan, but uh, plant-based certification in cooking from... Uh, and you know it's a good school because I can't pronounce the name, but Francis will yell it in the background. That's Ruby Bob. Ruby R O U X B E. That's, that's like right. that's like I lived in San Antonio, Texas, and we were in B E X A R County, which uh, was Bear County. So who would know? Wow. <laughs> Unless somebody tells you, right? So, <laughs> so okay. So the certification is from Ruby. And mm-hmm. uh, she spends uh, much of her free time, I am told, in the kitchen developing cheap and simple recipes for HowDoIGoVegan.com. And uh, she's an occasional contributor to EcoRazzi.com and has spoken at many vegan events, including the World Vegan Summit and Expo in 2016. I, I think I've heard about that somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, oh! I was the disorganizer, as I recall. Uh, it was and, a wonderful event, Bob. Wonderful. Well, thank you, thank you, Francis. I'm still paying for it, but uh, <laughs> some sure. sometime again in the future, we will 
we will gather again in um, in a great vegan event i'm sure um and you're also a teacher francis um and you speak about how we can use good teaching as a model for advocacy so what does that mean well you know teaching and an advocacy aren't really very different things. I mean, a, a mark of a good teacher is that they want the students to deconstruct their own ideas and to reconstruct them again. And I think that's essentially what we're doing when we're getting people to think about how they relate to non-human animals. That's true. Uh, it is us, teaching, isn't it? It, it really yeah. is. If, uh, if, we, if we take the anger out of it and some of the expletives, it's teaching. Right? <laughs> well, I should hope that most of us don't don't uh, advocate from a point of anger or teach from a point of anger. Um, and, and, you know, one of the worst things that, that a teacher can do is actually just give knowledge. So just talk at students. What a good teacher does is try to elicit responses from the students, try to get them to put their ideas in their own words. So this is why when I talked at the World Vegan Summit in 2016, I talked about the importance of us asking questions and eliciting answers from the people to whom we're advocating, trying to bring them back to the moment when they thought that it was wrong, when they first realized that it was wrong to use animals and when, you know, they got all the answers, oh, well, they're put here for us to use, etc., etc. So, I think a lot of advocacy is actually just bringing our interlocutors into a space where they can question why they use animals, get them to think about it and get them to, to ask themselves those key questions and to guide them along the way. Mm -hmm. Well, that that's vegan advocacy right there. I, you know, right now I'm uh, you know, kind of uh, upset about uh, the, the kind of advocacy that is selling uh, cage-free eggs to yeah. Uh, people as a form of advocacy and uh, I guess that there there are many questions that can be raised so people can think about what they're doing about that now too but it's absolutely uh, I, I, I you know the, what bothers me is the uh, the deception associated with that I mean you know advocating for going vegan is a really positive uh, kind of thing but when you have somebody coming in selling uh, cruelty as cruelty free whoo it's a uh, Ah, it's it's atrocious. Yeah. It's atrocious. Yeah. It's it's in many ways it it's making vegan advocacy so much harder than it should be because we're you know we're we've got all of this nonsense from people who proclaim themselves to be animal people to deal with and it it really is shameful. And I think that we can advocate in a very you know considered and considerate way while presenting a very clear message about what it is that we owe to non-human animals and, and what our values about them, what they look like when they're enacted. I mean, I, I mentioned this to you in email yesterday, Bob, but we rescued yesterday a, a young pigeon. A, a friend of mine found him in the canal drowning and, and she brought him to me and he was almost hypothermic. And I had a, a team of people I could talk to who helped me figure out how to nurse this pigeon back to health. And I handed him over this morning to a rescue group who rehabilitate wild birds. And the woman said to me, they value their lives, don't they? And there it was. She had told me why she should be vegan. All I have to do is help her connect the dots. But we have these groups and these organizations who keep telling us that it's okay to use them once we do it in the right way. And there's no right way to do it. You know that, I know that. And I think these orgs that tell us this 
know that too. Well, they must um, know it because I'm telling them that. If in case they, mm. <laughs> in case they've avoided the truth here, I mean, uh, when when it comes to cage-free eggs, of course, every male chick is ground alive just after birth, and the females are debeaked and imprisoned and mutilated and uh, all killed. So, uh, not one life is saved. Nobody is rescued um, from from torture or or killing at all. Not not one. So, I, I mean, I don't. <laughs> You know, how, how can you not see this? Uh, you know, so it's very uh, disconcerting to me. But um, I guess we have then to... again, the hopeful the hopeful thing is that the people that we talk to on the ground see it. You know, mm -hmm. that's the thing, because it is so easy. Veganism is such a simple idea. Mm -hmm. And and it, we just need to package it as simply as it is. Yeah. And that's and... why um, Gary Francione and Anna Charlton's new book, Advocate for Animals, is just superb. I was just flicking through it before I came on air. Um, I know this sounds like a practice plug, but it's not. I have a copy on my desk here. And I was just thinking, you know, how how the great lengths people go to to try and, and filter information through marketing and into the animal orgs to tell us that we're doing it all wrong. In fact, conversations about animals are very simple and very straightforward and people for the most part get the ideas they understand them they appreciate them and, and they can you know put them into practice yeah i i find that people are very interested like i i'm always wearing a shirt or a sweatshirt or a cap that says uh, vegan on it and people are always starting conversations about it and uh, I think I, I think uh, Gary has even become uh, convinced now that maybe he needs to uh, start changing his wardrobe a little to have the, the vegan word uh, <laughs> on, on some of his apparel because uh, uh, it's it's quite amazing that people are are, are always interested and uh, um, I, they, you know they know somebody who's gone vegan they actually the thought is occurring in their minds now I mean it's really uh, it's it's quite a movement, and uh, yeah. uh, you know, if we're to believe the uh, report buyer uh, in the UK saying that the U.S. population has gone from one percent vegan to six percent vegan now um, since 2014, well, let's keep on pushing, you know. And uh, you know, a lot of people get convinced, and then they say, "All right, but what do I eat?" So uh, <laughs> uh, it seems like it seems like you have the answer. And oh, by the way, how did how did all of this um, come to you? Like uh, all of this about animals and going vegan. Like what 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 occurred to you at what point uh, to? It's a long story, Bob, but I'll give you the very short version. I was out for a walk with my dog uh, Cassie. Well, in those days, I only had one canine companion I now have two but we were out for a walk and she was interested in the leaves and she was chasing them and I, I it was a lovely clear morning and I thought how lovely it is that there she has these things that interest her that don't necessarily interest me and I heard a snuffling from the side and I turned around and there was a cow and the cow was looking me up and down and I was looking at my dog and I was looking back at the cow and all of a sudden I thought cow is interested in me the dog's interested in the leaf I'm interested in both of them. What is the fundamental difference between us that lets me treat them as resources and lets me eat from and eat one and consider the other a family member? And just everything clicked at that moment. And I went home and I was vegan. Just on the spot. And I, I live in I live about four miles from the nearest shop. 
And the only thing I had in my house, because I, I didn't eat vegetables in those days, the only thing that I had in my house that was suitable um, were crackers made of just water, salt and flour. And I lived on those for a couple of days till I could get some groceries. But yeah, it was so it was that instantaneous. Mm -hmm. Well, it's uh, and uh, apparently the best decision you've ever made. So yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, what brought you to uh, the cooking school, Ruby? What uh, uh, what interested you about that? And uh... well, you know, I was never really a cook. And before I went vegan, it was TV dinners pretty much all of the time. I had no interest in cooking. I had very little interest in food, in fact, um, probably explaining why I lived on crackers for a couple of days. Um, and becoming vegan, the question really occurred to me, what, what on earth am I going to eat? Because my idea of a vegan was somebody who lived on salads. And that was probably going to be my worst culinary nightmare. So I had to start researching recipes and, and practicing cooking skills and developing them. And I found that there were so many things that I could eat. I'd had such a limited palate before I went vegan that this whole world of so many plants opened up to me. And I, I was really interested in cooking and working with them and all of the different things you can do. They're so versatile and adaptable. And I saw this course and it just appealed to me. So I saved up and, and eventually subscribed to it. And Was it uh, in person or online? or It was online. Absolutely mm -hmm. wonderful. Um, I, I was able to do all of the cooking in my kitchen, submit photographs and text descriptions and have them assessed and evaluated. Ah, very yeah. good. So and <laughs> what, what did some of the initial secrets seem to be like what uh, were you learning initially where you were going oh look at that or oh that's interesting like do you remember any of that how to use a knife believe <laughs> it or not the entire course was worth it just for learning what to do with a knife um, and i haven't cut myself since. <laughs> well that well that's the first lesson what to do with a knife don't cut yourself you know? <laughs> um i mean that 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 whole handling of a knife is so important for cooking and I'd say to anybody who wants to learn to cook forget all of this fancy um, all of these fancy cooking methods go watch some YouTube videos about how to cut an onion it really is a, a way of revolutionizing what you do in the kitchen well, my life has Eat. always been a knife and a cutting board when you really come down to it <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's the basic right there so yeah, yeah. Uh, and then you go on to the fancier knives, right, which are more like blenders and food processors, I, I imagine, right? They're all fancy knives, aren't they, to a degree? They are, for sure. <laughs> They're all doing the same kind. And, and our teeth, I mean, work in, in fairly much the same way. But, yeah, that, that's it. Breaking things down and building the back up again, really, is what cooking is all about. Yeah. So um, if uh, we go to look at your recipes um, and uh, what you've created, we go to howdoigovegan.com. And uh, we go to the recipes, and I'm looking at that now, and I will take one of each, okay? So. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be happy to cook for you. Wouldn't that be amazing? Sure. I mean, um, yeah. this is so uh, extensive. I mean, as, as it says here, it's, it's uh, baking, breakfast, spreads, dressings, uh, sauces, soups and bowls and uh, snacks and uh, small plates, desserts, large well, I... plates, simple, moderate, and involved. 
I do have to say that I jumped on the bandwagon rather late with how do I go vegan and a lot of the the earlier recipes I I think I started uploading recipes last May and all of the really good looking recipes with you know really nice sort of appealing um designs and beautiful colors that came before that they're all Vincent Gaines he's ah. the author of um New American Vegan a really really wonderful book um oh, so and yours is yours is the cut onion on the plate here I see exactly right? mine's the ugly stuff <laughs> <laughs> Well, what what are your uh, what are your uh, top uh, creations that we see on here? What are uh, some of the favorites? And take us uh, around a little bit to what we mean by um, you know simple, uh, moderate, involved. What you know, take us take us a little through the culinary uh, uh, creations here. Well, today's today's recipe that is the top one that's posted there. It's a lemony cauliflower soup, and that came about because I had cauliflower and mushrooms in the fridge, and they weren't going to last much longer. And when when you've got veg that needs to be used up, the best thing to do with it is to make a soup because it's quick and it's easy, and it doesn't really require a lot of pre-planning. You can you can do an awful lot of the thinking about the soup as you're making it, as you taste and you decide this is going to balance with this and, and, and working on the go. So I was really pleased with that soup. Was, I thought the flavors were quite good and it was it was easy enough to put together. Mm. The first recipe, the first recipe of mine that I uploaded is uh, a good ways down the page. It's the sweet potato confetti toast, which was really just slices of sweet potato on the health grill with some chopped veg on top. I mean, that's simple. Mm-hmm. But people tend not to necessarily if they're you know if they're new vegans they don't tend to think of a sweet potato in that way that it's something that you can slice and toast mm. so a lot I, of what i, I, do I is... haven't thought of it that way and uh, now i guess <laughs> i guess i will i uh, uh, and i have sweet potatoes all the time i you know think of them as something you know probably going to mash some beans or lentils with it and some greens or you know so yeah, yeah. And uh, sweet potato, uh, baked sweet potato. Well, I like veginase on everything. I, I have to say, like that's kind of a, right. like if it make put put veginase on anything and it tastes good. And so, if you uh, bake a sweet potato or a potato, uh, I don't know, just put veginase on anything. There's your <laughs> recipe, whatever. <laughs> Basically, and and also I I have found the same thing that uh, vegan recipes are pretty much. Uh, whatever's uh, in the house or in the refrigerator that falls over on what's next to it, that's the recipe. So if today it's chocolate broccoli, it's chocolate broccoli. You know, it's like what? That's <laughs> <laughs> something I'm going to be rushing to try, Bob. I have to be honest. I, I, with you. I tell you, somebody's going to market that in the future. You'll see. It's like you know the goji berry or everything that catches on coconut is all the rage now. It's going to be chocolate broccoli. How do you get your kids to eat broccoli? Chocolate broccoli. So, we could we um, could call it chocolate, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> chocolate. There you go. It has the name and uh, and it's chocolate, so everybody wants it. So, what about the um, fast food uh, meal plan on here? Uh, well, this all started actually with an idea that was Peggy Warren's. Peggy is a, a member of of um, the um, moderating team for the abolitionist approach and. She said, I I had been thinking of recipes that were going to be cheap for people to make. And she said, yeah, you should also do some things that are ready in under 15 minutes. So give me a challenge like that and I'll go with it. And eventually I 
I was focused on doing recipes that cost under 50 cent proportion and then recipes that took under 15 minutes proportion. And I thought, wouldn't it be such a handy tool to have a little leaflet where we, that we can give to people that says, you know, look, these are the familiar types of things that you can eat. And here's what you can eat on for your first week or so of being vegan. And it's not going to be strange and it's not going to cost you lots of money and you're not going to need to spend hours in the kitchen. There are so many blogs and recipe sites, and this is wonderful, that are doing new things. They're inventing, they're innovating, they've got Instagram-worthy photos, and they're doing all kinds of marvelous things with food, and I'm completely and utterly in awe of them. But for new vegans, there's not a lot of basic stuff, and there's not a lot for people who don't know how to cook. And if you don't know how to cook, and you're you're already thinking about becoming vegan, then that's a significant obstacle because what do you do? Where, what are you going to go to processed food that costs maybe five or six euros per portion? And if you do, how are you going to afford that? How are you going to sustain that? Are you going to spend hours in the kitchen? Are you going to have to buy and learn to prepare from ingredients that you've never even heard of before, that you can't spell, that you don't know where you're going to get them? So I wanted to show that eating as a vegan doesn't have to involve relearning or retraining the palate or spending hours in the kitchen doing all kinds of things with spiralizers and dehydrators. So my key, I think my, my main aims are that I want to create food that's familiar, that's simple, and that's quick. So I put together this fast food meal plan where the recipes are ready in under 20 minutes and there's a, a PDF version of this available on the abolitionist approach page and on how do I go vegan as well. But very, very simple stuff. There, there aren't actually even any recipes. There's just titles there. Like breakfast could be peanut butter and banana toast or cereal with all plant milk or a smoothie. And lunch might be a tortilla with uh, pizza toppings on it or a baked potato with hummus. And dinner could be a very simple chili or pasta with olives and spinach, just to get people thinking about vegan food in a way that is really not so far from how they eat anyway. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, 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 uh, and they are very simple, like you say, oh, quick pizza. Well, pita bread or tortilla spread with mm -hmm. tomato sauce and veggies and baked 10 minutes at uh, 200 Celsius. Oh, it's funny. I, I uh, talked to Gary about that a couple of weeks ago, and I believe he mentioned one of your recipes. And, um, you know, I, I am uh, metrically challenged. So uh, when I said 200 Celsius, like that's double boiling. That's, that's like, you know, that that can't be double boiling. But, but boiling is 212, so I guess... 400 or so degrees would make sense but I somehow I just thought like 200 would like would melt the house or something but I, <laughs> you know it's like 200 celsius that sounds you know so a bonfire so um That's and a then, good point actually bob i should i should convert these so that they're available in in fahrenheit as well oh yeah yeah, yeah because we you know it's like we we don't know uh uh centimeters from uh celsius basically you know i mean it's like uh so and, and then dinner there bean chili okay a can of kidney beans a can of chickpeas a can of tomatoes a can of uh water with uh, garlic powder and chili powder Simmered five minutes. There, five yeah. minutes, right? So, I mean, super simple. Yeah, very simple and delicious. And uh, 
Yeah, and you have uh, seven days of that here. So. But the great thing about that as well is that if you don't give people a recipe and you're, you know, you're giving them these very basic ingredients, then they start to look to their own spice cupboards and they start to investigate their own palates and think, well, what do I need to do to this to make its flavor suit me and what I like? And you may find people who, who people often come back to me and say, you know, I did this and I added a bit of cocoa powder. And I think that's just wonderful. You know, that people are, are seeing the recipes as kind of signposts rather than prescriptions. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, so much uh, is really just creative of, like you said, what's in the house right now? You know, mm-hmm. so let's put it together. What spices do I have here? Let's see. I have oregano, turmeric and uh, garlic powder. OK, fantastic. Well, you know, I mean, it's uh uh, so, and what f- flavorings do you use, or what uh, what what perks up flavors for you? What? Uh, oh well, I have to say I will never be troubled by vampires because I do love garlic, mm-hmm. probably a bit too much. Um, I like smoked paprika as well. I think that always imparts a lovely that lovely smoky flavor goes with anything sweet. And I think with the key the key thing with with flavors is that you need to know what kinds of categories you don't need to necessarily know the names but you can have that instinctive sense of well this this dish needs a slight touch more acid or it needs a little bit of brightness so I'll I'll give it some lemon juice or it's a bit dark it might need a little lift from something sweet and I think that's very important to cooking you know tasting as you go along and and being able to figure out what something needs Mm-hmm, definitely. And I find that, uh, well, for me, a little bit of sea salt and cayenne pepper go a long way toward helping anything be pretty Absolutely. good. You know, and yeah. like you say, squeeze in some lemon juice or uh, whatever. So um, do you have any uh, fancy recipes on here other than a, a, a sliced onion on a plate? Or Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> You're actually going to completely send people looking for sliced onions to see what they can do with them. That's um, right, actually. Well, you know, like, maybe I could dip an onion in chocolate. And see how <laughs> right, we needed that? a second product to, to go along with the broccoli, so chuck ch- chuck onion, uh, uh, onion chuck. Okay, we'll, we'll work on it. <laughs> you put me right off supper, Bob. But uh, in terms of, I don't go in for hugely complicated recipes, but there's a very nice kind of multi-step recipe there for pizza tots I think they're called and they're like tater tots but they've got pizza is my favorite thing I could I could eat pizza three for three meals a day Mm -hmm. so I try to make a lot of other things that I cook taste like pizza (laughs) Um, and these are tater tots that have a bit of sort of pizza flavor through them I think I can't remember it was so long ago but I think there may be a little bit of tomato in there some pizza herbs like oregano and basil um, and they're really wonderful. Nice finger food, very very friendly for children as well. Mm. Do you do anything cheesy or use any vegan cheeses or anything along those lines? You know, I try not to um, replicate animal foods in my cooking. Um, I used to, that was something I used to do, but I started to think about it and, and, and to consider the beauty of plant foods, but also the fact that if we need to, if we want to promote veganism as something that exists in its own sake, for its own sake and, and apart from the consumption of animal products, then I think in many ways we need to get away from 
trying to replicate and reconstruct meals around that 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 traditionally are based around the consumption of animals. So I try to move away from that. I have some things that replicate the same kinds of notes. Um, so those umami notes are, are one of the reasons people like cheese, non-vegans like cheese, the flavor of cheese. And, and those umami notes are found in an awful lot of foods that are suitable for vegans. Mushrooms are quite umami. So I, I use mushrooms a lot because I love them, because they're healthful um, and because they're very easy to cook with. You can't really go wrong with mushrooms. Mm-hmm. So, so you're saying then that, that people like cheese because of what? You're, you're saying notes? That, what, what are they? Explain what that is then you're saying? Well, there's, there's this umami flavor note, which is, is really a, a taste that's it's very difficult to describe. And there's a lot of, a lot of science has gone into trying to deci- describe it and try to replicate it. But if you think of nutritional yeast, if you think of shiitake mushrooms, for instance, and you think of miso paste, they've all got an umami flavor. And a lot of people you know, really like that rich, dense flavor. It's almost um, creamy, right? Along with the flavor, it's kind of creamy. Yes. Or, uh, yeah. So, well, like you, like oh, you don't want me to say creamy because that that again associates with an animal. Uh, no, creamy is a texture. Too. Creamy <laughs> it's a is texture fine. Too? Okay. Creamy is uh, fine. Right. So, and I was thinking of nutritional yeast just with that because so often people say, "Well, I can never give up cheese," you know, and it's like, well. Try some nutritional yeast, you know, or uh, so uh, you're explaining that uh, kind of goes along with the nutritional yeast. And you mentioned the um, uh, wh- sweet white miso. miso. Sweet white miso could uh, yeah, could satisfy beautiful. that too. And what mushroom? Uh, shiitake mushrooms are wonderful, wonderful umami notes. Now they, uh, it's been so long since I've had cheese that I, I couldn't remember, you know, I couldn't tell you whether they're, uh, uh, whether they taste like it, but they do have that umami flavor. And as for people saying they couldn't give up cheese, if I can do it, anybody can. Before I was vegan, I pretty much, you know, I ate cheese almost every day, several times a day. Well, well, well who didn't? You know, I mean, it's yeah. it's always like the, we we were all. Uh, I mean, I think of myself as another person in another life. You know, that's mm-hmm. thirty four years ago, but uh, you know, and I'm kind of repulsed by. You know, yeah. Wh- wh- where was that? Where was my thinking? Like not to be repulsed by what was on my plate, or uh, yeah, who was on my plate? So, yeah. um, are you teaching now also, or do you? Um, I am. Yeah. yeah, I'm. I teach mainly medieval literature, but I also I, I dabble in other things, historical linguistics, and I teach a course called Writing Animals, which is very popular among the students. We look at animals in literature and in philosophy, and we tell stories about the animals in our own lives. So that one always produces some interesting discussions. And in fact, Professor Francione often joins us for our final seminar. Ah, excellent. Any By video available? link, obviously. Yeah, and, uh, any available on uh, YouTube, any of this? Or? No, we don't record it. Uh, it. It enables the students, I think, to have better discussions if they're not conscious of being recorded. Mm, right. Uh, yeah, the same for here right now. I, I would have felt that same way, but we are recording this right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> we might have had a better discussion, but people are listening. So. <laughs> All right. Well, um, anything else you wanted to um, say or uh, about anything? 
I, 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 wish well, I, 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 I wish I could think of something related to Engl- medieval English literature, but I don't. <laughs> I, I just I, would that I guess... be Shakespeare? Does does he count? Oh is that no. no, no, Shakespeare is newfangled modern ah. stuff, Bob. I'm oh. I'm way back centuries before. <laughs> I'm I'm so much further back. Well, yeah. see, see, that's like Celsius to me. What did I know, you know right? So. We're closer to Shakespeare than Shakespeare is to the stuff that I was. Oh, really? Yeah. So, and so you can understand those old words then? I mean, is, aren't they written in, you know, like, isn't everything spelled differently and you have to almost know another language to go back that far with the English if we were reading it no or is it just yes yeah and i i'll be i'll be teaching how to to read that language first thing on monday morning which i'm looking for with a new group any secrets or keys like oh the f's are all s's or you know any any code to to it no just try to do it when you're sober and you've got much better chance <laughs> i think i think one thing that i would want to say bob is for anybody who's non-vegan and is listening and i'm i'm sure they get the the clear moral message from from professor francione and charlton when they're on your show and from you as well and and the great work that you're doing i'd i'd just like to reiterate and, and to advocates too that we need to debunk the notion that being vegan and eating as vegans is expensive that it's different that it's unusual that it's difficult and that it's time consuming and we need to put more work into making our food familiar um, and affordable and showing people i mean i can eat for around about 13 euros a week just for myself. Translate which, that, that's, that was Celsius, meaning uh, what? <laughs> I don't do dollars, Bob. Oh, <laughs> you don't do dollars? And, I don't do dollars. Well, that sounds like um, a lot. 13 euros sounds sounds like a lot, right? Well, okay. that's for an entire week. I, I imagine it's about $12. No, that, then I meant it sounded like a little. I didn't know what it was supposed to sound like. <laughs> Tell me, I don't know euros. It was either oh, a lot or a little, the, the way you intended it. I, t- yeah. tell, tell me again. <laughs> very, very little. 12, 13 euros. Uh, 12, 13 dollars. No more than fourteen dollars, I'd say. A, a, a week, week, you said. A week. A week. Oh. A week. Yeah. Um, now and we're you don't. Work. Yeah, you don't have to spend much time in the kitchen. You don't have to break the bank, and you don't have to eat things that are harvested at moonlight by unicorns. <laughs> <laughs> that that adds an extra like, the cost to it. You know, it's like. Uh, well, and, and of course, it's animal exploitation as well, albeit. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and uh, what did you have for dinner last night, or breakfast today, or what? What? What are you eating? What are you? Well, having? for dinner, for dinner tonight, I had uh, kalkanen with uh, red wine tofu and you roasted. Had what? Pa- what, what, what? You said it was what? Oh, kalkanen. Sorry, it's a traditional Irish dish of kale and mashed potatoes. Hmm. And I had a red wine marinated tofu with some beetroot crisps and some roasted carrots and parsnips. It was very nice indeed. Very nice indeed. Sounds good to me. So, very good. Okay, well, thank you, Francis. It was uh, great having you here with us. Lovely to talk to you, Bob, uh, as always. uh, So go to howdoigovegan.com, and uh, where else uh, for them to look for any any other um, contacts for you that you want to mention? Recipes are usually posted first to the howdoigovegan.com Facebook page, so that might be a a place to check. Okay, very good. Okay, thanks, Francis. Dr. Francis thanks, McCormick Bob. with us today. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. Bye-bye.
This is Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com. On Facebook, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden, and Twitter at Go Vegan Radio. And for your musical enjoyment without the interruption of commercials for anything to do with meat, dairy, fish, eggs, uh, honey, uh, clothing made from animals, anything to do with animals, go to RadioBobby.com, RadioBobby.com. You will enjoy it. You will thank me for, for letting you in on it. You don't know what you're missing. Uh, un- unbelievable music, really. Amazingly awesome. Check it out. RadioBobby.com. Still coming up on today's program, we have commentary from Professor Gary Francione. Also, some of the loving memories of Kobe Siegenthaler, uh, recorded by her friends. In fact, uh, we will, uh, if, if you'd like to record uh, loving memories of Kobe, uh, that we may include on next week's program, you can do so by calling 413-43-VEGAN. 413-43-VEGAN. And next week's show will be quite interesting when we have Wayne Shun, founder of Direct Action Everywhere, as our guest. Uh, I expect uh, a lively discussion between him and Gary Francione. I would like to thank Health IQ for its sponsorship of Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for health conscious people like runners, cyclists, weightlifters, strength trainers, yoga practitioners, and yes, vegans. That's right, special low rates on life insurance for vegans. It's about time, right? Health IQ can save customers up to 33% on life insurance. It's the fastest growing life insurance company now with over $5 billion in coverage. And uh, I mean, really, when was the last time I got excited about uh, life insurance? Well, now, because, uh, you know, this is confirming what we've uh, said over the years. And uh, Health IQ is seeing the data that vegans live longer you know, I mean, and, uh, you know, I- ironic that we would uh, mourn the passing of Kobe Siegenthaler now, but she made it to 93, you know. So, anyway, um, a great person, huh? And uh, she remained active also. So, I mean, she, she ate vegan, she was in the pool every day. Great, you know. But again, we'll have uh, memories of Kobe coming up. Uh, the Health IQ Advantage is its unique mortality model based on health conscious living, lower rates for the health conscious. It's like uh, good driver savings on auto insurance, a unique underwriting approach that replaces BMI with uh, waist to hip ratios and uh, cholesterol calculations, etc. Um, and Health IQ reduces your chance of being penalized for adverse family history if you are otherwise healthy. Um, so check it out to see if you can get those special rates. See if you ex- uh, see if you qualify. And by the way, you can still get special rates if you have a pre-existing condition, as uh, Health IQ uh, appreciates your efforts in overcoming chronic disease. And as we uh, see from the medical literature, overcoming chronic disease uh, can often mean going vegan. Huh? So uh, you can uh, get a free quote 
You can take the vegan quiz at healthiq.com slash gvr, as in Go Vegan Radio, healthiq.com slash gvr. The phone number is 800-549-1664. Use the code gvr. Again, the website, healthiq.com, GVR, especially important for vegans who have family responsibilities. And uh, looks like everyone in the family is going vegan now, right? So easy to do. Even the dogs and cats in the family going vegan happily, thanks to Evolution Vegan Dog and Cat Food, um, which, which includes none of the horrible ingredients found in commercial dog and cat food. Uh, I don't want to totally gross you out right now, but you know that uh, euthanized dogs and cats wind up in commercial food. I, I don't want to gross you out anyway, but Evolution has been around now for almost 30 years, uh, has never had a recall. Daisy loves it, um, and you get uh, a special discount. Uh, new customers who call 800-659-0104 get 25% off uh, dry food uh, anytime. That's on your first order for new customers. Call 800-659-0104. Uh, if you call the first Wednesday of the month, you get 20% uh, off dry food, 10% off canned food, and... Uh, this is a phone orders only. There are special arrangements made for people with financial difficulties. Again, the phone number 800-659-0104. You can also go to the website petfoodshop.com. Commentary from Professor Gary Francione coming up next on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. Please support us with a tax-deductible donation on the website at goveganradio.com.
Vegan Radio with Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com and on Twitter at GoVeganRadio, Facebook, GoVeganRadio with Bob Linden. And now it is time for weekly commentary with Professor Gary Francione. Uh, his new book with Anna Charlton is Advocate for Animals or Advocate for Animals. <laughs> an abolitionist vegan handbook. Uh, welcome, Gary. How are you today? I'm very well, Bob. And how are you? Well, I'm I'm doing great. You know, the problem is that when I make these Skype calls for interviews, like when I'm calling you right now, uh, up pops an ad for the Humane Society of the United States. I was doing fine. You know, I mean, I'm I've been you know chanting OM and and listening to Radio Bobby staying calm, but. Uh, you know, even I can't escape, you know. It's a, it says, be a hero for animals, donate now, Humane Society of the United States. So, um, and, uh, and you know, the invasion has started now with the, the campaign, the new scampaign uh, from HSUS and the, the posse of animal betrayal specialists, you know, Prevent Cruelty California uh, is... Uh, is is starting and uh, they're getting a lot of people excited about gathering signatures for uh, this uh, cage free egg campaign going on here and uh, even meetings going on today people people getting ready to you know it, it's just so um, oh it's so disturbing to see something called prevent cruelty California when it doesn't prevent any cruelty but it really prevents people from knowing about the cruelty. It's it, it, it's it's making me, you know, I, I have to go meditate now, you know? Well, but Bob, you know, um, first of all, I, I'm delighted that uh, I don't have ads popping up on Skype. Um, and and I, I think I would be uh, equally uh, upset if I had to look at those all the time. It seems uh, like HSUS and Mercy for Animals are popping up oh, everywhere right. I go. You know? That's because they, they have a big advertising budget, I would imagine. And but, I must you know, fit the profile. When you well, right. I mean, if you're an animal person, you get hit. With, you know, if you if you show any interest in animal things, then you get hit with all of the ads of animal things. And um, but. Uh, you know, when you said, well, the ad popped up and it said, um, be a hero for animals, donate, and which is just really sort of the problem, right? I mean, be a hero for animals. doesn't tell you not to eat them, wear them, use them, whatever. It tells you, you want to be a hero for animals, give us money. And that's the paradigm they've, they've, they've established. That's the paradigm they excel at. And that's what makes a lot of money is, you know, you tell people you love animals, fine, keep on eating them, keep on wearing them, keep on using them, just give us money. And, you know, you care about animals and you care about how they're treated. Well, here, sign our petition or get other people to sign our petition or to support, you know, whatever the hell this new thing is. And, you know, but that's that's the problem, Bob. I mean, that's the reason why we're in the mess we're in. And that's the reason why nothing's going to get any better for animals, because this is just the 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 way that that we approach these issues is all wrong from the from the get go. I mean, it's just completely wrong. And, and it's, it's never enough money. I mean, that's all they are is like, give us money, give us money. Even if they have $200 million in the bank, even if they get $135 million a year, it's like, it's it's never enough. It's never enough. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember once writing something about how, you know, the idea that, 
you know, with sitting on top of the amount of money that they're sitting on top of and, you know, the amount that these other groups like PETA and other groups, the idea that any animals ever killed, I mean, gee, I mean, you know, you, 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 there shouldn't be any killing in any shelters because you could get all those animals out and have huge sanctuaries and things like that with these sort of money that these groups have. But, you know, it, you're right. It's never enough money because it's a business. It's it's a business and it, you know, it's, it's be a hero for animals. Don't do anything except give us money, you know. Um, show animals you care, you know, send a contribution and we'll send you a t-shirt. Um, you know, it's a it's a business. It's a business. I mean, it's a it's a business, and you know, the idea that anybody takes it seriously who cares about animals is um, is disappointing, but not surprising. I mean, look at the level of confusion that we have in our society right now about just about any any and all issues. So, I mean, why are we surprised that that people think that if they care about animals, what they ought to do is support? These uh, these corporations, these businesses, these uh, these these organizations that really sell just one thing, and what they do is they sell out animal interests. But you know, but that's just the way it is. It's not going to change. As you and I have talked about many times, and we've been around a long time, Bob, and we've had many many discussions. And I think that I have probably said to you two hundred and fifty thousand times in the past several years, it ain't never going to change. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what these. That's what these groups are going to do. And everyone that comes along, everyone that comes along, I don't care which one it is. I don't care whether it's, you know, well, there's a whole bunch of the so, sort of the new, um, these new organizations that are emerging. They're all the same thing. They're all single issue campaign, pro welfare. I mean, what's, they're, they're all the same. They're all the same. They're basically doing the same sorts of things. Some do it with some theater that others don't use and some sort of, you know, promote coordinated t-shirts and certain sorts of actions and whatnot. But it's all the same. It's all the same. These are businesses. These are businesses, the goal of which is to um, bring in as much money as possible and have as many people as possible not have jobs, um, but be career advocates. That's what they do. And, you know, and, and I mean, I don't understand, you know, it, it's never going to change. It's only going to, you know, it, it's never going to change. The only thing that's ever going to change it is turning people on to veganism. And that's what we do. That's what you do. That's what I do. That's what a lot of the folks that, you know, that are, are in our orbit, as it were, do. And that's the stuff that makes a difference. The rest of it is just business. The rest of it is just business that make that actually is going to make matters worse. Mm. But and, and it's business based in propaganda because I am seeing... You know, I'm, I'm seeing of all these meetings and, and groups uh, gathering now to start the signature gathering for Prevent Cruelty California. And, uh, you know, the propaganda, you know, p people who really think that they, I mean, believe that they care about animals, think that they're doing the right thing. And I'm, I'm trying to contact them. I'm going to contact uh, a lot of the groups who are listed on the page as supporters and, you know, just really... Uh, raise some issues here um, because the the propaganda really seems to work. And then you know there was somebody just today who said, "Well, you know, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm for veganism, but uh, only incremental changes uh, have have worked historically." That that was her. I don't really know what that means, but that seems to be some of the things well, also. The, 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 idea, the idea is that the only way you're going to change it is by making it more humane and then making it more, you know, and then eventually we'll get to veganism, which is idiotic. I mean, I mean, as a matter of fact, it's a it's an insult to idiocy to call it idiotic. I mean, it's ridiculous. The idea, 
mean, just think about this for a second. The idea that we are ever going to abolish exploitation by making exploitation more humane is not only, not only is there no empirical evidence for that, but as a conceptual matter, it's just idiotic. I mean, you know, why, why would we ever think that people are going to reject animal exploitation if we make it more, quote, humane, which we don't do anyway. Um, you know, the, one of the many, one of the many things that the animal people have misattributed to me over low these many decades of dealing with them is they say, well, I want things to get, I don't want to make matters better. I want animals to really suffer so that people will stop exploiting them. And the answer is I want people to stop exploiting them, but I certainly don't want animals to suffer more. I just do not believe that these these silly campaigns that these people have do anything to lessen animal suffering in any significant way. And I think they actually increase net suffering by making it more, more by, by, by making people more comfortable about exploitation. So it increases net suffering. I mean, you know, but this idea that, well, what they're doing, you know, the, this, this fantasy that these people have is just incredibly silly that they're going to make an animal exploitation better and less acceptable by making it more humane. They won't do that. That's never going to happen. Not not only is that is that not going to happen as a cultural matter, but as a matter of actually reducing animal suffering, that's not going to it doesn't it doesn't work that way. It never has worked that way. And and you know, I remember when when HSUS had that silly California proposition too. And it, how it, it had, it was, fa it was, uh, what was the lag time? It was a period of, of years, right? I mean, it was a period of years before it came into effect. And it's still, I mean, you know, wh whether it's in effect now depends on who you talk to. Um, and what it means to say it's in effect is, uh, depends on who you talk to. Well, that's oh. why, that, that, this is why there's the Prevent Cruelty California campaign. It's to correct uh, the, the, uh, uh, you know the the faults of Proposition Two. I mean, that's how right. It's the correct the faults of Proposition Two that HSUS apparently didn't notice when, when it was. <laughs> but but the thing that was interesting was that California passes Proposition Two years ago, and within a matter of you know two seconds after you know after after the 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 ballot you know the day in which the the uh, the proposition was voted on, they're busy saying. California is treating its animals humanely. So, I mean, it's, you know, and when promoting California animal exploiters, and that's what people were doing. You know, they were saying, oh, California is, you know, and that Ch makes Ch It was chickens have it great in California. I think it was, that was you know, words to that effect. Uh, exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. So, I mean. And, 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 and you're right, nobody quite knew what it meant. I mean, some people thought it meant that Proposition 2 meant cage-free, um, and then others thought it meant uh, enriched cages. You know, I mean, and uh, no, nobody really knew what it meant. It was uh, birds well, well, to be able to spread their wings, right? If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, HSUS was promoting it as being cage-free. Anybody who read the thing knew that it wasn't going to be interpreted and nor it didn't say cage free it basically said that they could they had to be able to extend their wings and the argument came back after proposition 2 was passed was that they could do that in enriched cage situations with larger cages and HSU said oh no 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 that's not what it, well that's what that's that's what proposition 2 said so it's just look it's a shell game it's a bait and switch it's silliness it's a con game it's selling out animal interests and you know this is the sort of thing these folks do and they make a huge amount of money doing it. 
and and um, you know and 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 and, the, and the, the the biggest signature gatherers of Proposition Two now are campaigning against HSUS and and this. They feel so duped, you know. They feel, you know, really that that HSUS took advantage of them, and really, you know, it, it's just now they're going to cycle through another group of uh, young people who who don't know the truth about HSUS. But I I just find it so obscene to call this prevent cruelty. I mean, it's just, you know, I mean, what could make you feel better about eating uh, meat, dairy, fish, eggs, whatever, you know, whomever, um, than hearing, we, we passed prevent cruelty. Well, cruelty then must be prevented. I'm going to eat eggs and bacon and veal. You know, I mean, it's like... I, I, that, that's the whole problem with the happy exploitation movement, is that, the, is that the signal that you send people is that they no longer have to not eat the stuff. I mean, they, they can eat it now with a clear conscience because we've gotten rid of the, the, you know, the cruelty. I mean, but but look, you know, yes, they'll cycle through a whole bunch of, you know, newcomers to the movement. and But, Bob, they've been doing this forever. Uh, they've been doing this. I have been involved with this movement for 35 years now, and they've been doing it every second of every day of that 35 years. And, you know, the only difference has been is that in the 80s we had that blip where, you know, some organizations were emerging that were challenging that paradigm. And as soon as they got – as soon as they became – multi-million dollar corporations they just went right along with it all and so you know i mean it it it's basically it's a business animal animal ethics in this country is a well basically everywhere is a business and um and the only way this works is to have grassroots movement a grassroots movement that promotes vegan uh advocacy and um and so you know and i'm I'm going to be very curious on Wednesday uh, when we have our dis- or Thursday when we have our discussion with Wayne Shun because he's one of these new emerging organizations, supposedly radical. And uh, I actually think that direct action everywhere is as react is is reactionary um, as any of the other animal welfare corporations. And it'll be interesting to speak to Wayne because I'd like to hear how he deals with that. Um, and how he thinks about it. It will be interesting. Interesting. Yeah, we'll, we'll be recording that. Uh uh, next week, so yeah, on, on our next program that we post, we will have a very interesting discussion with Wayne Shun of uh, Direct Action Everywhere and uh, with uh, Gary and me. And, uh, you know, I, I, I feel, I don't know, I feel like a, a protester again, that I want to push back now against this uh, Prevent Cruelty California. And really, you know, I, I feel like I, I may have to go dust off the old megaphone or something you know but uh, and I, I wonder why direct I hope direct action everywhere will be uh, campaigning against this right they're supposed to be against the whole uh, humane uh, humane uh, animal product movement I well uh, <laughs> you know it, well who knows well, let's find out next oh. Thursday I mean the oh. problem is is that Wayne and direct action everywhere supports all of these groups and works with these groups and, you know, builds, quote, builds bridges, I believe, was the expression that Wayne used um, in one of his uh, one of his uh, right, essays. Right. Well, it's time, it's time to burn some bridges now. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, look, the bottom line is, is that 
Yeah, you know, what HSU is doing is particularly troubling, but it's not really qualitatively different from what all these groups are doing. I mean, they're all doing the same thing. They're all promoting. They're all pimping happy exploitation in one way or another. Well, on the sponsorship page uh, for uh, Prevent uh, Cruelty California, all all the groups have been who have been receiving millions of dollars from the Open Philanthropy Project are there, including HSUS, Mercy for Animals, Animal Equality, Compassion and World Farming and the Humane League. So uh, all of them, well, they've all received, you know, they, millions of dollars to promote cage-free eggs, and there they are. And they're bringing along a bunch of different humane societies. I see uh, In Defense of Animals is is on there as a supporter. I, I can't understand why IDA would be supporting uh, cage-free eggs. I, I guess you know they just picked the right word. Free sounds good to people. Look, cage-free eggs. Uh, even though all the animals are killed and tortured, you know. So what a scam! It's like, it's like, it's like if I maybe maybe I can get some money if I come up with like uh, uh, meat that's uh, life-free and life-free animal meat. There we go. I have my campaign now. Donate money. Bob Linden supports life-free. Life-free animal meat. That, doesn't that sound like a campaign animal advocates can get behind? It's like yeah, I guess. I mean, I mean, it, but you know, again, it doesn't. You know, what surprises me that is, is that it surprises you. I mean, this is it's the it, look. All of these groups. I don't really care. You know, I mean, we think of them as separate organizations, but remember, you know, remember Fun for Animals that doesn't exist anymore because it got acquired by it got merged with with HSUS HS. was buying up there they were like buying up property like uh, yeah and, and 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 really mercy for animals and compassion over killing and and in defense of animals these are all basically the same they're they're all the same organization they're basically i mean you know the only difference is there are different people at the top who are you know who are who are the you know the 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 uh, the pr principal beneficiaries of the fundraising? But the bottom line is is that these groups are all doing the same thing. And oh, and did you hear about the merger? Pretty much, it's it's a merger. Oh, and by the a, a farm and compassion over killing. Have you heard heard about that? <laughs> I, I you sent me an email this week, and I, I and I I read that, and again I don't that didn't surprise me because. I remember when um, when several years ago, uh, Alex Hershaft uh, invited me to speak at the so-called Animal Rights Conference, and it was actually sort of interesting because he initially asked me to speak, and I said, well, yes, but that I would not agree to any censorship of what I was going to say, and and that sort of then it sort of the the it fell off of everyone's radar screen, and then it, he came back to me and said, well, you know, yes, you can say what you want. And so I agreed, and I had that in writing, and so I went to the animal rights, um, so-called animal rights conference, and I think it was 2013, and um, and and actually uh, uh, had I did two sessions. In the first session in the morning, I think I had uh, close to a thousand. It was huge, huge, huge group, and um, and I basically um, you know excoriated the whole happy exploitation uh, movement, and. Um, and uh, much to the chagrin of um, uh, uh, the people, many many of the corporations that were there, the welfare corporations who were there, or that were there, and um, and then I got an email from Hershaft and um, Michael. What was his name? The guy who was running it with him, Weber, Michael Weberman. I think I think it was Weber. Hmm. Uh, I don't know these people. <laughs> you know, they come and they go. 
Um, but Michael Weber uh, in her shaft wrote an email to me basically saying that they would no longer have discussions about the rights versus welfare issue because at the at these at this uh, event because they thought it was counterproductive and they believed that the the you know the wave of the future was compassion over killing and they specifically mentioned uh, Paul Shapiro and Erica Myers Erica Myers is that her name um, Meyer I think yeah 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 um, and they specifically mentioned them as be basically you know they're the wave of the future and um, you know which I guess that's that's true. I mean, you know, I mean, it's it, you know. So it's it's it looks like a merger where um, compassion over killing is taking over some of farms' uh, programs and and personnel. Uh, farm and her her shaft will continue to uh, organize the so-called uh, animal rights conference. But I see also compassion over killing is listed as a supporter of Prevent Cruelty California, which means Compassion Over Killing supports cage-free eggs, and apparently, you know, apparently that's okay with her chef then. I thought he was the uh, great uh, vegan abolitionist, uh, uh, you know, adherent, but, uh, you know, the, oh, and Compassion Over Killing has received at least $500,000 from the famous Open but, Philanthropy uh, Project. Uh, but, I mean, I, I don't, really, there's no difference, I mean, when you, when, when you say, well, you know, they're going to merge, farm is going to merge with compassion over killing, the answer is, well, you know, they're the same anyway, so what the hell difference? I mean, it really it really just doesn't make any difference. I mean, it doesn't matter. These groups are all the same. By the way, which group was Mayune Park involved with? Um, well, she was with HSUS, but I believe, wasn't it, I think it was compassion over killing yeah, also? Yeah, I, I, I believe she was involved with compassion over killing, and basically, she, you know, she, she went off to be you know that she was she was basically uh, uh, hosting and producing and promoting events where butchers were you know where I mean, I, 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 she had she was part of them. she was the host of the best butcher uh, the the, yes. the Whole Foods best butcher the competition Whole, Whole, yeah, exactly exactly and she was a, she was a compassion over killing or former compassion over killing person and so and when HSUS you, or NHSUS yeah, yeah. and and um. And so, you know, uh, when you say, well, you know, one's merging with the... Global Animal Partnership, right? The the GAP... uh, Right, Global... Yeah, that's right. She was involved with the Global Animal Partnership. Um, But that... um, uh, But when you say, well, one's merging with the other one, the answer is... What the, I mean, they're all the same. So you know, I mean, it, it, these are just you know, they're these are just business moves that are made to you know to, to you know for whatever reason that they're doing it, and I'm sure it's not a good one, um, or though maybe financially for them. Um, well, they really it, just aren't. They're all just uh, uh, butcher. But, they're 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 butcher organizations. I mean, but, if, if you're hosting best, if you're hosting best butcher, right? I mean, they're animal you're selling ex- eggs. Right, they're animal exploitation organizations, and they're promoting animal exploitation on, under the under the guise of saying, well, we, you know, we have to take baby steps, and we have to, you know, we have to be do inc- do things incrementally, which basically allows them to do anything that they anything that they want to promote is is you know falls within that, and so they promote all of this animal exploitation while telling people that they're opposed to animal exploitation. People are confused. They don't really, you know, I mean, most people, unfortunately, in the world that we're living in now, um, you know, deep thinking and critical thinking is becoming an art of the past. Um, and, you know, so yeah, but, people but say, these, uh, these are the industries 
animal rights organizations. This is what industry gives us as animal rights organizations. I mean, if you're selling eggs, if you're hosting a best butcher contest, like I, I don't see how you can be considered an animal organization when you're a part of the egg industry. Like you're in the industry, you're in the meat industry, you're in the dairy industry. You're like I don't see how they're not considered in the industry itself and why they would be considered an animal charity or animal advocacy group. I, I don't understand. Because all of the animal group, all of the animal groups fall into that category. They're all part of that. All of them. Every single one of these 501c3s. Every single one of them is part of all of this nonsense. Self-appointed. So I mean, we didn't elect them. We didn't elect them and say like, let's let's have a group that you know doesn't support cage-free eggs. We didn't. They elected themselves, and we seem to believe them, <laughs> who they are. It's, we're 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 somewhat duped, I think. Right, exactly. But I mean, you know, so, you know, this is the model. I mean, this is why we need a grassroots movement that basically ignores these these people. Unfortunately, we can't ignore them completely because we have to deal with them because they're such a ubiquitous presence, you know, in terms of people who care about animals. Um, are, are, they're with me when I'm trying to get in touch with you. When, when I'm calling you, they're here. You know what I mean? It's like they're, they're on my screen. I, I, I understand it. So, and then when you when you go out and you want to talk to people about veganism, people say, "Well, but you know, yeah, but we're being told by all of these organizations that we really shouldn't be." I mean, the number of times people have said to me, "You know, it makes sense. We got to be promoting veganism, but but you know, so and so from such and such an organization says that's really bad because people are going to think we're divisive or radical or this or that," and and um, you know, and and so. Veganism itself becomes characterized by these people as a radical. It's 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 actually sort of interesting from a sociological point of view. You have um, you have groups uh, like DXC, um, which have actually which has actually in many ways demonized veganism and and characterized it in ways which are really unhelpful in, in various ways, but. And and so they they then posture as the radical people because they go into restaurants and they yell at people. That's just that's not radical. That's just dumb. That I mean that is just like that. that, that I mean that's silly. That's not going to that's not going to affect any behavioral changes or educate anybody. Um, and so you know I mean and so what what ends up being characterized as radical is. You know, very super. I mean, it's 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 you know, yeah. HSUS people don't do that sort of thing. So so you know what what you end up is um, the difference between DXE and HSUS is you know HSUS they wear suits and you know and they don't they don't you know go and yell at people at restaurants and and DXE um, you know wears a coordinated T-shirt holds holds candles and goes and yells at people's at people at restaurants or or indeed. Um, you know, go goes and engages in in uh, some very disturbing actions in which, uh, yeah, well, we'll talk about those on Thursday night, in which uh, people are treated in ways which are deeply troubling um, from a human rights point of view. Um, you know, but but you know, neither is taking a radical position with respect to animals. As a matter of fact, you know, you, you have this weird situation where you've got you know direct action for everywhere for direct action everywhere claiming. That um, veganism is a matter, you know, is, is, is they denigrate it because they say, well, it's just a matter of, you know, consumer choice. 
and then they partner with all the organizations that characterize it as consumer choice, um, and and they ignore the fact that there's a whole chunk of us out there who don't believe it's a matter of consumer choice, who believe it's a, a matter of fundamental justice, and they just sort of completely ignore that. They ignore that that ide- ideology, and they basically say, well, you know, we're opposed to promoting, you know, we we think veganism is bad because. It, it just it's it's consumerism. It's focusing on consumerism. And then they partner with the exact groups that characterize veganism in consumeristic ways and not as a matter of a moral imperative or as a matter of justice. So, you know, I don't know. It's 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 troubling, but it's not surprising. Um, and look at the world that we're living in. Is it any surprise that, you know, the institutions that that um, are out there, Bob, uh, are, are increasingly showing themselves as being the nonsense that they are. And uh, the animal movement is no is no exception. That's why, to some degree, you have a lot of people out there who whether they characterize themselves as anarchists or whatever. But there's a whole there is a whole movement out there of people who are not into these corporate groups unfortunately some of them are attracted to some of these these um uh uh, alternative groups that are every bit as corporate and every bit as reactionary but they have superficial trappings which um which allow them to characterize themselves as as um as not not corporate and uh, and as radical when in fact that's not the case but you know we'll see um I, i still believe i really believe that um there is a vegan movement emerging um, and that there's an intelligent vegan movement emerging of people who really care about this as an issue of social justice, who see the importance of veganism um, from, you know, from a justice perspective, who also see the importance of it from, I mean, it is a matter of uh, we're going to destroy the planet that we're on. Uh, if we continue to consume animal products, I mean, w- w- anybody who cares about ecology needs to embrace veganism and needs to 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 promote the idea that we need to get animals out of, you know, eat, out of food, out of the food chain, out of, from clothing, from uh, we just we just need to stop using animals altogether. Um, but primarily, it's a matter of justice, and I think that there's a growing number of people who see that, and a growing number of people who are changing their lives um, in recognition of that. And and you know, and they also see, you know, I think one of the reasons why the abolitionist approach has been so successful over these past few years is because it, it's it's about veganism, but it's also about social justice and about the idea that we need to um, we need we need a, a nonviolent ideology. We need you know we need to stop embracing. Uh, violence as you know is the answer for everything and i think a lot of people are sort of there and you know they they agree with that and so the abolitionist perspective Mm -hmm. you know provides a a a philosophy it's not just um you know it's not just don't eat animals it's don't eat them don't wear them don't use them because it's unjust to do so and that our violence against non-human animals is very much um uh, is very similar to our injustice um, you know the, the mechanism, the the structure of speciesism is similar to the structure of other forms of discrimination, and they are all violent, and we need to reject them all. And so, you know, I I, I think that that message is getting out there, um, and um, people are responding very well to it. 
um, advocate for animals or advocate for animals, however you want to print. But uh, advocate for animals is um, is uh, I, I think um, getting people excited, and that's good. Uh, you know, we're glad. And it's only been out a month, and um, and uh, you know we're already um, getting a lot of really good feedback, and um, people are uh, are taking it seriously and 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 finding the things that we recommend uh, uh, as uh, and you know what Bob it just occurred to me I still haven't sent you your Kindle copy my God I can't believe I haven't done that I'm going to do that immediately after getting off of the phone today um, okay okay I didn't send you the Kindle copy did I no no okay well you know. It's just, <laughs> you know, Bob, the old memory, it's getting worse as I get older. But um, it's better, it's that, better way. that way. Indeed, 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 <laughs> indeed, indeed, indeed. But um, yeah. indeed, yeah. indeed, you know. You, <laughs> uh, can you imagine, like, you know, another 30 years, uh, how bad it's all going to be? Um, and, um, you know, and the, the sad thing is, is we could have, you know, and we might, you know, we might still, I mean, I'm, I, I don't, I never give up hope. And I still think that, you know, there, there's a good chance that we might, you know, we might rouse from our, our, uh, our, 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 you know, our, our coma, our moral coma that we are in and, um, you know, and start recognizing that, um, there's some, you know, that the, 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 there's a lot of, a lot of really troubling stuff out there that we're all part of. In, in that, you know, we're, we're all part of the system that's generating it, and uh, and we need a different system, dramatic. We need a dramatically different system. And the basis for that is going vegan, and then let's see what changes from there, because we yeah. could be very pleasantly surprised with a. You know, a vegan world. What what would be impacted? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the thing of it is that if we had a vegan world, um, you know, it it wouldn't just be a vegan world. I mean, it would be a world that looked at lots of issues in a different way, and it would be a much, 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 much less violent world. And you know, the the level of violence um, that we, you know, when I hear these people say, "Oh, well, things are really getting better," and um, you know, there, there, there's, there's less violence in the world. The answer is, um, you know, uh, I, I don't know what they're looking. I don't know. I, I, I mean, it, there's a, an awesome amount of violence. Does it change in terms of the numbers of children who die every year? Um, you know, does that number change? And are there numbers where, you know, are there years where there are uh, fewer children dying of starvation than the year before, and the answer is yes. But there's still a hell of a lot of kids dying of starvation, and you know, and and you know, this whole idea that you know, well, things are really moving in a better direction. I, I, I when people say that to me, I, I, I find that as somebody saying to me things are moving in a good direction, we're becoming more moral. I, I view as somewhat similar to somebody telling me about the Easter bunny. I mean, it, it, you know, it's just silly. Uh, I mean, you know, it, it's well, not... If, if the percentage of vegans rises, then I guess you could be saying we're moving in a more moral direction. <laughs> well, I mean, well, I mean, certainly if the percentage of vegans rise, uh, you know, uh, 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 gets larger and, and um, you know, but, but it's not just veganism. It's not just their, their veganism. It's 
the attitude that comes. I mean, this is one of the reasons why, you know, we really try to approach it as a matter of social justice and as a sort of an overall philosophy. It's not just sort of a fad diet or, or anything like that, but that, you know, when one embraces it as a matter of, of, of a moral imperative and as part of an overall social justice perspective, it, it can't help but change the way you feel about every issue. And, um, you know, and, and I think that as more people become vegan, that will happen. You know, you'll see people analyzing and thinking about issues differently. And, um, you and know, looking at militarism and the war economy sure, and, sure. Uh, yeah. you know, I mean, nobody has to be hungry. We could just skim a few billion off and, you know, nobody has to be hungry or, or homeless, really. Yeah, I mean, the idea that we the idea that we spend the amount of money that we spend on killing each other um, is horrifying. Uh, it's absolutely horrifying. It is a moral. Fa- it is a. It is a failure. It's a moral and spiritual failure of such proportions that it boggles the mind to think about it. That we spend all the money that we spend uh, on killing each other, and there are children starving. There are people who don't have medicine that they need. There are there are people who are all living in all all sorts of levels of misery, um, you know, and, and, uh, you know, in, in, in suffering all sorts of stuff that, um, is completely unnecessary and is only a matter of money and resource allocation. Yeah. yeah. In, 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 in Obama's last year, um, he dropped 25,000 bombs on mostly, uh, Muslim, uh, countries. Um, I, I I wonder if there's like a certain type of individual who has to be in those decision making places, you know, that totally lacking empathy, sympathy. Like, who can do that? You know what I mean? Like, who can who can take on a job uh, and say, yeah, I'm I'm just gonna keep dropping bombs. I'm gonna drone. I'm gonna have an assassin assassination list. It's it's almost like you know, there's a separation. I think. I'll, People are better than that, so, but, but the people in control are out of control with, with what they're doing. It's like they're, they're a different species that I don't quite understand. I don't understand how, how they can do that and have the priorities that they do. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I absolutely agree. But, Bob, I have to take leave of you now because we have some things to do this evening. Okay. And- are three hours um, ahead of you, and actually, um, this is the first day I've been able to go outside and feel as though I didn't want to um, curl up in a ball and die because it was so cold. I have to tell you, it was it was interesting. I I I um, I traveled to upstate New York last week weekend, and I left here uh, on Friday Friday mid morning or late morning, and it was you know. 60 degrees and I got up there and it was slightly cooler it was maybe 55 degrees and it was raining and I went in and had dinner with a friend and uh, an excellent Ethiopian vegan restaurant and um, where where was it in Rochester New York and uh, excellent excellent uh, uh, place called Na- I think it was called Natural Oasis it was really very good and um, and came out two and a half hours later and 
there it was snowing and there was it was really quite nasty. And then when I woke up the following morning, there was 17 inches of snow. So in the space of a day, it went from high 50s and rain to you know a loss of what 30 degrees or so and um, and, and and 17 inches of snow. That sounds like climate change. Well, you know, it's it, it actually um, it was actually very disconcerting. I, I mean, you know, it was very disconcerting. Were you driving? Were you? Uh... No, no, I had I I no, I had flown uh, up there, which I don't like to do. I don't like to fly. I don't like to, you know. I I actually one of the things I've been doing a lot of is because flying is so environmentally horrible. I've been uh, doing a lot of conferences by Skype. Um, and, um, so I talk at various events and I talk by Skype and I tell the organizers, look, um, it's a win-win situation because you don't have to pay my expenses, my, my travel expenses or my hotel expenses. Um, and, and, um, and, you know, we don't, you know, we, 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 we try to cut down on environmental degradation. And so it's a, it, it, you know, I, I think it's a better way of doing things. And I, I hope that but we'll. But then you we'll, miss out on the local vegan Ethiopian restaurant. Oh, no. well, that's, that's right. No, well, that's right. And, and, and um, you know, look, I, I mean, I still travel, and, and, and but I travel a whole less than I used to. Sure. That makes, it, it makes sense. But there's something to be said for gatherings, too, and actually. Uh, I, I, I agree. I agree. It's just, I agree. It's just, you know, um, and, 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 you know, the, I agree. Uh, and if we weren't eating animals, um, we would still be uh, right. it, causing environmental degradation through transportation. But the effect would be much less if we were doing if we stopped doing the thing which is which is um, more responsible for greenhouse gas generation than than all of the burning of fossil fuels for for transportation. So, you know, um, in any event. Uh, all right, well, listen, okay. I, oh, so I, will. I will talk to you uh, next week when we record our discussion with Wayne Shun of Direct Action Everywhere. So that should be very. We continue on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden at goveganradio.com. On Twitter at Go Vegan Radio, Facebook Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden, and for your musical entertainment 24/7, amazingly awesome music, all kinds of great music at radiobobby.com. This is the uh, okay. If I can be modest, uh, Kobe was so modest, wasn't she? I mean, such a great person and always so modest. So if I could be uh, modest for a moment, and you know. In the tradition of Kobe Siegenthaler, I would like to remind you that this is the most important radio program in the history of the universe uh, because we are here to save the animals, to save uh, your children's health, and to save the planet. And nobody else is telling you that animal agriculture is the number one cause of climate change responsible for at least 51% of all human-generated greenhouse gas emissions, and uh, we are told that by the world's top climate specialists, uh, Robert Goodland and Jeff Anhang, who are advisors to the World Bank. Those same climate specialists tell us that the only solution before it's too late is a massive population shift to vegan. 
and uh, so we are here to encourage that at least to let you know about it since none of the environmental groups will tell you about it because they have all that meat industry and rancher money donated to them so you know they whistle a different tune as do uh, the uh, supposed animal rights organizations but there is an article in live science that says scorcher 2017 ranked among the three hottest years ever um so it says here in this article earth's long-term warming trend continues and 2017 now ranks as one of the top three hottest years on record according to a report released on january 18th by nasa and the national oceanographic and atmospheric administration or NOAA. uh Analysts uh, or analysis by NASA scientists showed that 2017 was the second warmest year on record with global average temperatures across land and sea surface measuring 1.62 degrees Fahrenheit or 0 0.90 degrees Celsius above average temperatures from 1951 to 1980. Meanwhile, NOAA researchers' assessment placed 2017 as the third warmest year, replacing um, uh, reporting global average temperatures as 1.51 degrees or 0 0.84 degrees uh, Celsius above average. Uh, it says the two agencies use slightly different methods to analyze global temperatures, but... Uh, I think uh, I think we get the message whether it's the uh, second or the uh, third and then you know it's just it's just a, a streak that just continues on and on and on so uh, how do we combat that we go vegan you're not sacrificing anything by going vegan may I suggest just look at the menu at vegetarian house which is a 100% vegan restaurant in San Jose 520 East Santa Clara Street just go to vegetarian house us it is a massive menu uh, just a most amazing international cuisine It is one of my favorite uh, favorite restaurants anywhere uh, vegetarian house uh, is uh, having a it's just booming when it comes to catering also uh, if you're in the uh, San Jose area and you have an event coming up a business event a social event you're getting married uh, the food has to be great get in touch with vegetarian house it is spectacular uh, it's a hundred percent organic uh, and delicious that's it. I mean, just uh, check it out at vegetarianhouse.us. If you would like to support a hot and sexy vegan fashion line, go to sonusdenim.com. Sonus, uh, spelled S as in strawberry, O as in onion, S as in nut, A as in apple, S as in strawberry. So that's sonusdenim.com. The jeans are uniquely made with 50 patches of denim right here in sunny, uh, drought-stricken, wildfire-crazed California. Um, so they're great-looking. They feel great. Uh, it's denim for men and women and yoga pants, too. So go to sonusdenim.com, S-O-N-A-S, denim.com. 
www.possumswelcome.com and visit possumswelcome.org to learn about an animal sanctuary in the making. This nonprofit is seeking coastal land for a farm animal sanctuary with the vision including a vegan cafe, a uh, five-room uh, bed and breakfast, uh, weekly seminars on being vegan, veganic farming, cooking, yoga, etc. So help make the dream come true. Visit possumswelcome.org. You can also email Christine at possumswelcome.org. Okay, uh, let us uh, now celebrate uh, the life of Kobe Siegenthaler in the words of uh, some of her close friends, people who called in uh, this week uh, to uh, offer their fond memories of Kobe, who recently passed away at age 93, the beloved vegan animal advocate in Southern California. Um, and also... Um, if you uh, would like to uh, have your thoughts and memories of uh, Kobe recorded for us to use on next week's program, you can do so by calling 413-43-VEGAN. That's 413-43-VEGAN. Now let's uh, hear from uh, some of the people who loved Kobe. Hi, my name is Fawn, and I just wanted to say that Kobe was not only a friend, but she was a powerhouse animal rights activist and someone I considered my family. She was a bright light, and it's I'm so sad that we've lost that light in this world. She was always there fighting the good fight, being a vegetarian from her birth and a vegan the last 35 years of her life. She was compassionate, strong, sweet, kind-hearted, and a fighter for justice. She was one of the most beautiful souls I've ever known, inside and out, and I will miss her so much. Dear Colby, you are so missed. You made the world a better place with your unrelenting kindness, conviction, and energy. The animals and those in the animal rights movement mourn your loss. A very special lady with the biggest heart and boundless courage in speaking up for justice for all living beings at every opportunity. We thank you endlessly for a lifetime of strength and wisdom in teaching and demonstrating to others what compassion and love of and what fortitude looks like. All of our love forever, Sam and Susan Hirsch. Hi, this is DJ. I wanted to leave a message uh, regarding Kobe Siegenthaler. She has been a very, very good friend to us for just under 20 years. She and Hans, we met back in nearly 20 years ago, uh, my partner Michael and I. And at that time, we became vegans from being what we called vegetarians. <laughs> um, she was a very, they were both very selfless people, but in regards to Kobe's passing, she was a very selfless person. She thought of the environment, animal suffering, humanity. She thought of everything and always had an open-door policy at the house where she and Hans lived for many years in the valley in Los Angeles, and uh, she'll be sorely missed. Um, it's due to her 
and some other people, but really she and Hans have been a real testament to standing up for animals. And in her passing and in her honor and Hans' honor, we're going to continue that to the day we die. Um, she's really made me reflect deeply about all of the things that still need to be done. And she was tireless. She did it her whole life. So in honoring her and keeping that sort of uh, momentum going, we're going to keep going forward the way we have been and probably push even further and harder. It's very important. We're seeing a lot of changes in this world now because of people like Hans and Kobe. Um, they have many accolades to their credit, and they never put them up on the walls. Only one time Kobe brought them out to show all of the things that they were recognized for, for humanitarian issues, animal issues, environmental issues. And she said, this is just what we do. We're not supposed to get accolades for things. It's just being human. Everyone should do this. She would always say that. <laughs> I love you, Kobe. We love you. And she will be very, very missed. But at the same time, we have great memories of her. And she always loved to laugh. That woman loved to laugh. So thank you so much for everything you did, Kobe. It is not forgotten. Thank you. This is Mar Nealon. I first met Kobe Siegenthaler in 1990. How lucky every one of us who knew her is to have met her and gotten to know her. I'm sad for the people of the world who never did have that opportunity because just being in her presence, you were reminded to be hopeful, to be kinder, to be humbler, to be gentler. You were reminded that that there is the possibility of a vegan world. Kobe was the most amazing woman, most amazing person on this planet ever. As my friend Howard Lyman said, we have never known anyone remotely like her, and we never will again. And oh, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful to have known her. And even though I will miss her dearly, I'm grateful she was able to be active to the end and not have any period of suffering or having people to do everything for her. She would have hated that. She was such an example. We're also shocked that she died at almost 93 because we were planning her 100th birthday party. So was she. <laughs> um, but she earned that. She was active every single day. She was happy. She was positive. She was vibrant. She moved her body. She ate fruit from her own trees. That that comes, you earn that from being an active vegan and eating healthfully. It doesn't just happen. So she was the most embodiment of vibrancy and and a, a, a truly enlightened vegan. Let us all please keep her forefront in our mind and work to emulate her example. Breast in power, Kobe, bless you. We all love you very, very, very much. 
Thank you, Kobe Siegenthaler, for making the world a better place for 93 years. This is Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. Thank you for listening. Uh, please uh, support us on our website with a tax-deductible donation. And uh, we will talk to you again next week. It's GoVeganRadio.com. <laughs>